Are you ready to take your volleyball game to the next level? Every week on the Volleypod, we talk to two top coaches who share their secrets for success on the court. From drills to build skills to strategies for boosting confidence, you won't want to miss this valuable advice. Tune in now and elevate your game today. Are you ready to take your team's volleyball game to the next level? On the Volleypod, we talk to top coaches who share their secrets for success on the court. From drills to build skills to strategy for boosting confidence, you won't want to miss this valuable advice. Tune in now and elevate your team's game today. Good morning and welcome to the Volleypod. How are you today, Todd? Davis, it's uh, it's a special day for the volley. Have uh, another guest, and it's a uh, it's an unbelievable get for the volley pod. We just keep we- leveling up. We just keep leveling up. You know, it's just it, we got great guests. I'm just thrilled to have this guy on. Why don't you set who set him up? Who do we got? All right. Well, setup. hey, this guy's been assistant with the national team. He produces, uh, I think, the best content in the game. His, uh, he's, he's got a, a newsletter and a subscription website called Smarter Volley. And when it comes to analytics in the game, nobody does it like Joe Trinity. So, Joe, welcome, and thanks for joining us at the Volleypod. Yeah. Oh, th- oh thanks for having me on. I, I'm, a, I'm a faithful Volleypod uh, listener myself. Uh, picked it up, uh, I don't know, uh, Six six months ago, maybe maybe something like that. Been and I've uh, listened to every episode, so it's uh, it's an honor to be on here. Good stuff. Well, I think we're gonna jump right into our regular format, and Joe's gonna start us with a skill. What do you have in store for us? All right, so uh, we're gonna talk about passing, but hopefully, maybe uh, a slightly different uh, format. Not just necessarily how to pass, but how to teach passing. Because I think probably all of us, it's easier to know what good passing looks like than to actually get our teams to be able to pass the ball well. Am I off base there? Mm-hmm. That's absolutely. Uh, I know all about that. I I, I know <laughs> what it looks like, but uh, getting my team to look like that is the issue. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, I hope this will uh, help some listeners maybe upgrade their ability to teach passing. And I'll take uh, one step back to kind of introduce the principle of this method. Um, I got a young daughter, Davis. I know you're a proud papa. Yes. So we're telling, yeah, we're out there. We're telling some bedtime stories, and uh, maybe you guys know the story of Goldilocks and the Three Bears. You guys familiar mm-hmm. with that one? Oh yeah. All right. So, so tell me about the porridge. Goldilocks comes in, finds some porridge. It was too cold to start with. Then it was too hot, and then finally it was just right. Yep. So that's uh, that's the Goldilocks method. Uh, for teach, teaching skills, and it's kind of this broader method, and we'll, we'll kind of show how it applies to passing. So basically what we're going to do is we're going to try to teach players how to move their body, how to gain kinesthetic awareness, or eventually how to gain awareness of how they move the ball around the court uh, by kind of doing a rep that's too hot, a rep that's too cold, and then finding that rep that's that's just right. So uh, if we do this, if we do this all right, our players can build some kinesthetic awareness, can build some body awareness, build some uh, awareness of how, how to move the ball around the court, and then they can start doing it better. Awesome. Awesome. It's a so great take gets, on it. Joe, is this part of 
the kind of exploration model rather than the uh, kind of direct instruction model that uh, an old guy like me is so comfortable with? Yeah, I think um, certainly things like constraints-led approach and differential training and a lot of this um, is kind of buzzwords. I think coaches are hearing about them and maybe, okay, I understand the theory, but how do I apply it? So, uh, you know, and, and sometimes some of the theory uh, is interesting to talk about, um, but what we really care about is, is the effects on our team. So I don't know necessarily how the motor learning exactly, the motor learning guys, which bin that they would put this into, but I just think about it in terms of as human beings, we learn well uh, through contrast and through uh, we're relative creatures. We, we, we learn by comparing. Um, you know, just, I just think about it. Like you see somebody just walking on through an empty field. Hey, how tall is that person? I have no idea. You see him standing next to a volleyball net. Boom. All of us know how tall that kid is because that's kind of our, our relative, uh, to, to compare it to something, uh, kind of a constant reference. So what I'm just trying to make use of is this ability to kind of, uh, explore the space a little bit, but then also to have, to start to build context and kind of fill in that map of motor learning for what they did they compare it to. Because sometimes you got to move wrong to learn how to move right. I like it. Good stuff. Where do you start? Okay, so let's start to hit this. Uh, some of the basics. Uh, so we got posture. So I'll give you guys – this is going to be a list of uh, maybe 10 ways to use Goldilocks passing. But oh, might be we're, even big, a few we're more. big list guys. We love lists. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's why I got it. Ten, 10 ways, okay? Just been inspired by some of the previous Volleyball episodes. And uh, this, this first one is actually going to be a, it's a three and one. So in terms of teaching the posture, um, kind of maybe three aspects that I think about passing posture, think about the stance. So the width of the stance, or how close the feet or how wide the feet are, um, kind of how much you're going to squat down. Are, are your legs going to be straight up or are you going to be in more of a squat? You're going to be somewhere in between. And then kind of how uh, your upper body, your torso, how bent at the waist you are. Are you really straight up? Are you real bent at the waist? Or are you somewhere in between? So it's kind of a three in one, but basically for each one of those aspects as I'm teaching passing and maybe not on somebody's first day ever passing. So I'm assuming most of your uh, people, maybe they're uh, your listeners, okay, they're doing club volleyball. So presumably, hey, maybe, maybe these kids have played one year, one or two years, and they have some idea of how to pass. They understand that passing is done by uh, putting your arms straight together and lifting the ball. Uh, with two forearms. Um, so they have maybe a little bit of an idea, but a lot of times they don't know how to get in a good passing posture, right? So what I'm going to do is say, hey, I want you to pass the first ball with your stance way too wide. Just whatever feels like a wide stance, maybe even go a little further than that. And then the second rep, we're going to go too cold, okay? We're going to go real narrow. So feet real close together. Whatever feels too narrow, go even a little bit narrow than that. Okay, and now the third rep, do it just right. And... This, you can kind of fit this into any kind of passing, tutoring, passing uh, drills that you're working, maybe cycling through uh, some passers. So I go, so it's a three-rep sequence. They're going to go too wide, too narrow, and just right. And I love it if I can even do that three times. So too wide, too narrow, just right, and then do it again. Too wide, too narrow, just right. Do it again. Too wide, too narrow, just right. So nine balls, kind of three cycles through that. And, and I find that that helps them develop some awareness. So that's kind of for the stance. You can also do it for, to use a real scientific term here, the squattiness of their legs. So first one, you're, you're going to be really squatted down pretty low. Second one, almost standing straight up. Third one, just right. Cycle through that a few times. And the same thing with kind of the bendiness of the torso. First one, kind of real bent over at the waist, almost upper body, almost parallel to the ground. Second rep, real straight up. Third rep, uh, right in the middle. 
Uh, or actually not necessarily right in the middle, sorry, but just right. Because some players might prefer a little bit more of an upright stance. Some players might prefer to get in a little bit of a deeper stance. And I think that we want to look at some body types. And when you look at elite passers, you see some variance. Now, that, now you know, there are certain things that you don't see. So you kind of set some of those. So that's also is, – this is an explorative learning, but you all – in this level of a stance. And we kind of know you're all not going to be kind of in this level of a stance. And now let's try some where we cycle through and try to find what's just right for you. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds really great. So the, I can see how this could be useful in a bunch of different ways. Yeah. You know, I love it because we're getting yeah. three and one. This will, our, our first, uh, <laughs> Our very first one, we're actually getting a three for one. So we get this this full posture and allowing for some variance and getting some exploration. Mm-hmm. Love it. I love it. Where do you go from there? Yeah. And then uh, our arm prep in the posture is, is another, you've got another three for one here. So the way that I look at it, you have sort of uh, how straight your arms are going to be as you're preparing to receive that ball. So the too hot might be your arms are sort of rigid and locked completely straight. The second one, your arms are kind of real bent in, almost pulled in towards your, your stomach or your chest as you're waiting to receive the ball. And then a lot of times the passers end up kind of snapping the platform out. And then the third one would be just right. So you kind of cycle through arms straight, arms pretty bent, and then try to find just right. And then another one would be kind of the width of the arms. So first one, maybe you're real wide, full April Ross, real wide with the arm prep. Second one, arms, maybe hands almost touching that they're so, so close together. Third one, just right. And some players, the just right is going to be a little different to different players. And, and on some of these things, it's going to be uh, some solutions are going to be pretty common. Um, and, and then, uh, but just allowing them to kind of explore it and kind of feel, oh, here, that's what it feels like if my arms are maybe moving a little bit inefficiently. And then that actually helps them learn how to move more efficiently. So it's, uh, so the arms, uh, the bend. Uh, how with and then also kind of the height prep so for example you can imagine a player preparing with their arms almost straight out in front of them like out level with their numbers and then uh second one kind of the two cold would be your hands are way down almost kind of back under underneath you or back all the way between your knee pads and then the third one is whatever feels just right so i find that if you have the ability to cycle through the posture and if you if you're gonna if it's like a preseason camp or early season you might be able to get all three of those in one, all three posture things. You might be able to work through everybody on that. And then a second practice, you might be able to work through the full arms. And if it's, uh, if it's something where you're only dedicating like 10 or 15 minutes to this, you might have to do like – this might take six of those rounds. Um, but basically, after they be able to work through all three elements of posture, all three elements of arm prep, I find that even – even fairly beginning players can start getting into some postures that really look like they're preparing to uh, move efficiently, both their lower body to uh, uh, move to the point of contact and their arms to, to track the ball. Hey, Joe, I got a question for you. So let's say someone is kind of way outside the box. And when I say way outside the box, let's talk about arm prep. And let's say they have a, I, I just finished, I was down in Texas and did a little, uh, did a little clinic with my son down in uh, in Houston, and we had a two kids who had a huge prayer move. Mm-hmm. And for listeners, a prayer move is they would grip their hands almost by their head and then pull it down to pass. So I always said, you know, 
I would say that's a prayer move. Like, please, Lord, let me pass this ball. Mm -hmm. uh, and so would you try to uh, do some Goldilocks with that? Like, hey, I want you to do this huge prayer move, um, getting your hands completely locked way up high <laughs> to get them to feel it. I mean, is that something that you would play around with or would you use? How, how would you kind of shape something like that? Yep, absolutely. So that's in, in the arm prep. That's bend and height. So they're going too hot with the bend and too hot with the with the height. So they're they're connecting like in front of their numbers or even almost in front of their face, and they're connecting with with bent arms there. So uh, the way that I view that is like as a coach and and viewing an, in a very inefficient movement like that, I'm gonna say, hey, I definitely want to improve that that movement because extra movement takes extra time. And how many times, you know, what, what's a couple inches off your passing platform? That's a shank ball. So it's, uh, so the, and the better the, the servers, the faster the ball is going to get on you. So we're highly interested in efficient movements. So, so my objective is to make that movement more efficient. And then usually in order to do that, uh, we often, the player needs to have a better sense of how to move their body through space. So a lot of times these players, uh, you're telling them maybe that they're they're making this prayer move and they even almost kind of believe you, but they kind of don't. <laughs> or they kind of believe you and they don't want to do it, but they just can't figure out how to make their body do it in, in any other way or or by focusing on keeping their arms straight, somehow the, the wires are getting crossed. I, I don't totally know how it necessarily works inside your brain, but I, I often do know that just sometimes giving the same cue, keep your arms straight, okay, keep your arms straight. Sometimes it just... If it's not having an effect, I got to try to find a method that has a different uh, effect. And often some kind of cycling where you almost exaggerate the inefficiency at some point it starts clicking. Oh, wow. I really felt that that was exaggerated. And then when I just felt a, a movement that was at least less inefficient, I could start feeling the difference. And uh, once the player starts feeling it in their body, like it just, oh, that movement felt better their body will naturally st will start moving towards that solution more often. So, th so these are kind of like rep breaker techniques when you're trying to get them to move in a few different ways, often it'll just, Oh, that kind of, that one didn't feel good. I didn't like moving my body in that less efficient way. Um, and then this more efficient way felt better. And then you can often start having a breakthrough. Uh, and then often sometimes the direct instruction can start kicking in there because now they have a better feel for it. I like nice. it. Good stuff. Hey, hey, Joe, I got a question for you. So with this less prescriptive type of training, do you find that it takes more time? Or how do you find that? It seems like it would take more time. So what I would say is my preference would always be to just go go direct. So, for example, I'll, hey, I'll show them a pass. Hey, here's, here's Jordan Larson passing in the Olympics. Hey, go pass like this. And if they can start doing it immediately, awesome, great. That's the fastest thing I could ever do it. And then, so then what I'm looking for is what's not, what's not happening. So if I, Hey, just present a simple model. Hey, here we go. This is, this is, here's a few, three or four of the best passers from the Olympics. Let's go see if we can start looking like them. And then it's highly unlikely that a 14 year old is immediately going to start looking like that. Okay. So then, okay. What's what, what are the wires sort of getting crossed? And, and it may be that they, the movement is pretty efficient. It just is underpowered movement. Or she's just not tracking the ball well. Okay, all good. Then maybe I'm not focusing on the movement quality as much because for her ability level, the movement is not uh, the biggest problem. But if it is looking like the movement is inefficient, 
then I'm trying to say, is it because she doesn't really have a good feel for it? And often that's the case. And if if you don't have a good feel for your movement, then you need to gain a better feel. And this is a technique for that. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. Yeah, that's a really good point. The other thing I think, Davis, to Joe jumping in here is when kids are going through this Goldilocks and this kind of exploration, there may be an argument that they retain that better than if I just tell them to be in this posture. So it might be quicker in the short term for me to go, oh, be like this. And they come into practice and I can get them in that posture. But when they come into the next practice, they're back to what was what they were doing. And they don't have a they don't feel it like you were saying, where going through the Goldilocks process, can they uh, retain that? And can they bring that back quicker when they come in two or three practices later? That's a great point. Yeah, I, I think there's definitely something to that, um, and, and I think that there's also this idea of there's a little bit of honesty there because when I say, okay, first one too hot, second one too cold, third one just right, and then they're doing what they think is just right, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, that is not right. Okay, all right. So, <laughs> right. Yeah, it's a more genuine, in a way, response from them, right? I think that's a good way of looking at it. That's cool. All right, Joe, where are we? What's next? Okay, third, uh, third element here is the connection time. So that's the, the time when you form your platform together. You put your, you put your wrists and hands together, put your arms together to pass. So, again, you can go hey, super early. You're, you put your hands together as soon as the server contacts the ball. And then, okay, super late. Keep your hands apart until the ball's almost about to hit your arms. Then together. And then third one, just right. Nice. Okay, number four is pretty related. and But this is actually kind of the movement time. So basically the first one, I want you to start kind of tracking, moving your body and tracking that pass as soon as contact is initiated. So again, that's pr- kind of pretty related there. But then the, the too late is not just when you're going to connect your arms, but you're not even going to move at all. So you're going to wait, 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 basically until that ball is crossing the plane of the net and then make a move. And then third one, try to time it just right. Because you can start making your passing move too early before you really have properly uh, mm-hmm. had any idea where that ball is going. So too right. early, too late, just right. Nice. I like that. Yeah, that's a, that's a very cool distinguishing uh, – you know, two distinguishing traits, you know, what your arms are doing and what your feet are doing. Uh, I like it. It's cool. It gets, you know, that that kinesthetic awareness on, you know, two different kind of platforms there. Uh, and, and interesting. You know, yeah, you know, and something I find with passers is passers have problems on both on both ends of that. And, and some mm-hmm. of this stuff is, you know, OK, I don't, I'm not sure that you can really jump too high or hit too hard. Those are kind of maximization aspects. Right. But some of this other stuff is it's about doing it just right. You don't like there are passers that uh, are making passes, right? Making passing errors right now because they start moving too early. They don't even really know where the ball is going. They're picking up on, on all sorts of false cues from the server. They're taking four steps to go nowhere. That's you a know, good you ever point. seen that, that passer who gets aced 
And it's like, wait, the spot on the floor where she got aced at was where her feet were when she was standing at service seat. But somehow she had to dive forward for the ball. How can that, how can that possibly get an untouched ball? Because they're moving too early and they're making all these false cues. And then some passers, okay, we all know these passers that's like the ball is served, it bounces on the floor, and then they start making the move to pass the ball. It's like, okay, well, that's yeah. a little too late there. Um, so, again, it's sometimes it's not a matter of to being as early as you can or waiting as long as you can. It's about getting it just right. I think that's Good a great point. Okay, number five. Um, so this is basically uh, the other end of your connection uh, time with your arms is basically uh, break on contact. So put you know, your arms are together, you pass the ball, and then you let your arms break away right away as the ball's basically as it's contacting you. And the second one is you got to pass and really totally freeze all the way basically until the ball gets to the target. And then third one, just right. And uh, often, so often passers end up, you know, they like they don't like the ball to totally break their arms apart, but probably holding until the center has completely set the ball. That's too long. So uh, break apart, totally freeze, and the third one just right. Uh, exploding arms on contact mm-hmm. takes mm-hmm. me back to my my seventh grade seventh grade boys I used to train. They were oh great yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, okay, so now uh, the, the next couple, we're start, I think as you can see, we're starting to get from stuff that's very basic body awareness, just body awareness of how you stand in your posture, being some of the more beginning progressions of this. And now we're starting to get to a little bit about how your, um, the, your contact and the ball start to interact. Okay, so the, the number six is not a pure Goldilocks, but it's kind of an error exploration. And I call this one turn, sweep, tilt. So basically imagine if you're a passer over in zone five and left back, and I'm going to serve a ball slightly on your left. So you've got to take a ball that's slightly on your left, and then you've got to direct it over towards your right, towards the center of the court or slightly right of center of the court where your passing target is. And there's broadly speaking, the way if you just get players in a gym from anywhere, a whole mix of players kind of, I see three main strategies for this. So one strategy is they're going to try to quickly move their body behind the ball and then kind of spin or turn their body back around so that their numbers go from facing the server to by the time they finish passing, the numbers on their jersey are back now facing their own setter. So that's turning. And the second strategy would be sort of sweeping. So you kind of reach your arms to the left, and then as you're contacting the ball, you sweep or pull your arms back towards the right. So you're kind of getting some sort of left to right motion on the ball, kind of sweeping your arms there. And then the third strategy would be by tilting your shoulders, tilting kind of your upper body, your whole platform to kind of create an angle. Um, You know, a lot of uh, coach might say face, you know, face an angle or create an angle with your platform. So, or, or tilting your shoulders. So turns, turn, sweep, tilt, try to go through some cycles of moving the ball laterally using each of those three strategies. I love the names of each because it gives players some specific descriptions of movements uh, rather than just saying, oh, that's that's not right. Tilt. Uh, I have a different name. I use uh, you have sweeping. I kind of like it. I have we call that uh, swiveling uh, swiveling. Yeah, but it's uh, but it's cool. I, I love the names and I that's that's uh, that's so cool. You can definitely see the progressions are getting more uh 
the Goldilocks. I, I maybe progression is the wrong word. The uh, the Goldilocks choices are are uh, they're becoming a little more complex. Uh, yeah, because there's and this is kind of uh, touches on what we talked about earlier. It's it's sort of trying to identify uh, the problems or the kinks in the passing, and the more beginning the player is. It's almost like those kinks are earlier in the hose. Hey, this kid doesn't even, mm. first of all, hey, half of these kids, they're not even looking at the server as the server serving, right? They're like looking mm. over at mom and dad or they're chasing butterflies or whatever they're doing. So it's always, hey, take the most basic things, take the first things first. Uh, but as players gain some proficiency, now the kinks are a little further down in the hose, but then we just got to keep kind of keep ironing them out. And uh, yeah, I, lo- I love naming it. Uh, I got my kid down here at Disney. So what's what's like the the Yoda, the quote uh, named must your fear be before banish it. Yeah, however Yoda says it. But basically, <laughs> when, when we, but when we put when we put when we put names on things, then it kind of makes them a little catchy, a little easier to identify. And then the players can also help start self regulating a little bit. Oh, I felt that I swept on that one. If they've decided that that tilting, uh, which a lot of players are going to feel that tilting is a little bit better, or oh, I thought that was an early break, or like I said, oh, that was a prayer pass. You know, when you can kind of name it, then you can, when you can fi- feel it, then you can fix it. That's I like it. it. What's next? All right, number seven. Uh, this is uh, one of my favorite exercises for intermediate and all the way up to the most advanced passers. And it's uh, don't back up slash get behind it. So that's the uh, kind of the protocol. So the first one on the first rep, uh, I'll, if I can, even I will put a piece of tape right behind your shoes as you're passing. And that's, there's a, that's, there's shark infested waters right behind there. So don't step off the cliff. Don't go back into the shark infested waters. Uh, You cannot back up at all when you're going to pass this ball. And I'm going to serve this ball uh, up on your shoulders. So, uh, again, to the level of the passer. So if it's a little more moving passer, maybe I'll keep it kind of numbers high, a chest high, and if they're more advanced, it might get up on the shoulders or even head height. So you have to figure out a way, and ideally with your arms, uh, don't just bail out the overhead passing yet because we're trying to work on your platform here. Uh, so you got to figure out a way to get your arms on that ball. So sometimes you're going to do a quick little move to the to the right or to the left, get, get your arms up. You'll even see passers getting up on one foot that you see advanced passers making that move. But basically it's like I'm – this is kind of now uh, almost a true constraint, which is like you cannot back up at all, but you got to still figure out a way to take that pass. Nice. And then the second one is basically the exact opposite. Now you cannot bring your arms up higher, essentially than your belly button or or your stomach. So now you have to get behind the ball and I'm still going to try to put it kind of high and deep on you, but now you got to really see that early. You got to track and you got to move your feet back behind it. And then the third one is just pass. So what we see is we tend to see really good passers, that ability to create angles up by their shoulders and, and get their platform on balls that are even kind of you know, difficult balls that are not just kind of right in front of them. That's a premium skill. Uh, so we really want to develop that idea. So that, so that don't back up, even just doing don't back up without the Goldilocks cycle through the multiple options is great. So don't back up work is great. Um, but then what we do see is we do see even elite passers back up a little at times because the ball's getting on them and they just sometimes they'll put a foot back or they'll bump their hips back a little bit. They'll take a quick little shuffle back just to try to create a little bit more space. So what happens is often players will maybe get stuck on one, on one of these two solutions a little too much. Yes. They'll plant their feet and they're reaching for everything 
and they don't know how to track their feet back behind the ball, which is good. Good passers do get the ball more on their midline than not, um, or they do know how to adjust their uh, use their feet to adjust their body for more advantageous angles. But you also then want to stress the ability to uh, create uh, angles in different body positions. So, so then that cycle is nice. So it's don't back up, get behind it. Third one, just pass. I love that one because I find coaches saying, you know, one or the other, right? And, and coaches feed into the player being that way, right? And so you're saying basically it's important for them to train in both of those modalities in order to be successful more generally as a passer. And I love that. I think that's a really yes. wise approach. Well, I, I also think there's great carryover to defense because, you Good know, point. the best defenders I've ever had have been able to create angles, you know, shoulder high and maybe sometimes even slightly above mm -hmm. and to take balls that are hit with velocity and get them up. Uh, and that, that's a skill that carries over from serve receive to defense. Yep. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You can't tell the defender, Hey, that ball is ripped, you know, from the attacker. You got to get your body behind it. There's just no time, you know? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So just kind of forcing them in those situations, cycling it through, getting a little bit of feel for it. Seems to help. It's cool. It's, you know, it's just so cool to hear this stuff that, that you're able to do with, you know, the best passers in the world. Cause I can see that, uh, you know, I mean, the posture stuff is like, oh, okay, that's more of the beginner stuff. Um, but this is like, Hey, you're taking the best passers in the world and getting into this, which is cool. Yep. Uh, and that's kind of what I wanted to illustrate about the general principle of just kind of identifying one little piece. Because there's a lot that goes on in passing. I mean, you can almost pick any of these kind of little hinge points, and then you just pick one piece, and then you try to have the player – you kind of give them some parameters for exploring them. And it's almost kind of a forced exploration. Um and uh, I find the training effect pretty strong. That's so cool. Good stuff. All right, let me give you number. Let me give you number eight here, and this is going to be an effect of the ball. So again, so now we're going from just purely what our body's moving to also what it, the ball's doing. So this cycle is tape ten perfect. So you can probably imagine what it is already. The first ball, the passer's going to put right on the tape. The second pass, the second ball, they want that pass to die on the ten foot line, and the third, third ball in the cycle, they want it to pass perfect. Nice. Simple stuff, but great. Just that awareness yeah. of how the ball is coming off the platform. Yep. And uh, then number nine, pretty similar. And it's uh, too high, too low, <clears throat> just right. So first ball, pass out really high, scraping the ceiling, but still trying to get it to come down to the center. Third one, like a low bullet to the center. And, and second one, just right. Cool. I love it. I we get in situations where we have some kids who really go too low and yep. uh, their, their perfect passes look so good, but then they just get aced more because when they're not the target, setter can't get to it. Exactly. So just developing some more feel for what your body's doing and then what the ball's doing as a result of the interaction with, with your body. All right. And then number 10, this is uh this is not even a pure Goldilocks. This is just kind of talking about some of the contrast. So I love doing spin float contrast. So, mm -hmm. or float 
because probably for most of your listeners, probably majority of them are coaching girls, juniors, volleyball. So float serving is the predominant, although you do see some spin serving. So uh, I just love this idea of a spin float contrast because the ball is going to move in slightly different ways. You're going to have to track it slightly differently and it's going to um, hit your arms slightly different. If any of you have ever received a mm-hmm. server that just has a ton of spin on the ball, it just, uh, especially I find beach players do this well because uh, often in beach, the, the passing technique can't quite be as super clean and you see beach passers they are just a little more comfortable putting a little more touch on the ball to sort of fight the way the ball is floating or spinning in certain ways and um what we find is a lot of times with juniors players if it's not this sort of medium float uh they sometimes just have trouble with how the ball bounces off their arms Mm -hmm. so i love spin float contrast and you can have the spins come in a variety of different ways can have it come from the baseline and then as you're working with advanced players um, you can have a coach on a box so that you can drive that, that down ball harder uh, or sometimes even like a, a six-meter jump serve um, for as you have more advanced players, if you're preparing to uh, play against somebody who's got a nice topspin jump serve, it can be hard to replicate that because those players are pretty rare, especially in girls volleyball. But a lot of times if you just have a player, um, you make a second service line that's somewhere between five and ten feet in and you have – some of your more average players hit jump spins from there. Those can, the time compression is about the same, you know, somebody mm, hitting 50 miles an hour from the end line versus 35 miles an hour from 10 feet in, it gets to the passer in a similar time. Uh, so mm-hmm. just, those are ways to try to replicate some of the more challenging type serves you might see. Nice. Uh, those. Yeah. Hey, you know, that might, I was thinking that, uh, that might be an interesting way to try to play around with some serving hybrid to mm-hmm. say, Hey, can you, can we get, and can you try to experiment as a server on trying to get a hybrid? I really have never, uh, never really, uh, but it might be a way to, to get some value on kind of both ends, the serving end and the passing end. You know, I think after having listened to all this about passing, I think you can imagine how you might feel about how I might like to train serving and having servers Mm -hmm. develop a lot of fluency with serving the ball in a variety of different ways from a variety of different ways to a variety of different ways. So the same kind of principles can apply. Joe, what a list. It's all All right. Have you experimented with the Goldilocks with contact point on sweet spot too high mm-hmm. too low yep mm. nice yep that's uh you know i've been uh i've been fortunate enough to have a lot of uh training time w- with some really advanced players and basically one of the, the one of the funny things if, if any of you li- you know i come from a club background my parents run a club for a long time i grew up in the gym club volleyball i didn't go right from playing in college to coaching in college i coached a club for several years i always consider that one of the big benefits and one of the funny things about it is if you are used to club volleyball and then you go to the national team practice the national team practices seem at least in the beginning incredibly slow because you have all the the practice time you need it's the only team where you have too much practice time you have more (laughs) practice time than their than their bodies can handle in club volleyball it's like okay we only got two hours and like the other you know the 
you know, the 14s team is, is done or it's, it's 801 and you're like, get off the court. You know, we got to get our girls. So you got to start so much with national team. You have a long time, which means often some of this low contact stuff or kind of low physical uh, stimulus, like uh, some, of, some of this uh, touch work with passing. Um, so I've kind of experimented almost anything that you can imagine. You can kind of Goldilocks it. And a lot of times you let the players you're watching the player as they're passing and you're kind of seeing, Oh, I can tell that this is unlocking a little bit of something from this player. I think, and sometimes you're going through it. It's like, ah, okay. It's, it's not really connecting. I can just, they're not really feeling it. It's not really developing their feel. And sometimes something like that with the contact point. Oh, wow. I can see the player is actually gaining a little bit of better feel for how they're doing this movement. So that's really what you're looking. It's it's an opportunity for the players to get a better feel. And it's an opportunity for you as a coach to observe your players because that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Really awesome. great point. Okay. You know, what a, we got, what a we great list. That is, uh, I got to get back in the gym and get, get my passers in there. We got to do some Goldilocks. They're going to be eating some, my kids are going to be eating some porridge, Joe. I love it. Hey, you know what? Sometimes passing is a little hard to get excited about training, right? So if anything, if this if this helps uh, get just get people a little more excited uh, to go in and work on some passing, uh, just right there is having some benefit. You know, Joe, the other thing I thought about might be a cool use of this would be to have the kids say what the levels of the Goldilocks would be. So for me, this feels too wide for me this feels you know just right or too narrow or whatever it is on different types of things i think that could be cool that and that that's what you're hoping for because now the kids now now they're not just kind of doing vaguely what the coach says but now they are engaged and now that that's the idea they are actively seeking out and may and then even you're showing the video hell i can see that this player that you're showing me from the usa team is a little wider than that i wonder why I wonder which my body type matches a little bit more. I wonder what, what that says about her strengths and weaknesses compared to mine. Yes. Now, hey, and once you get there, come on, if you can't coach that player who's, who's that level of engaged, okay, come on, you don't deserve to be a coach. Join us next time for part two with Joe Trinzi and episode 62 of the Goldilocks Method on the Volleypod.